Well, if it isn't Timothy Roxbury III, I haven't seen you in a fortnight. How have you been and how goes the white collar crime? Oh, John, you do go on. I'm ever so happy to make your acquaintance yet again, and I see you've, uh, you've brought that pretty young thing you call your wife. I do, I do think I'll waggle some brow at her later. <laughs> you waggle whatever you like, as long as I can waggle. The man who waggles last waggles least, or something like that. Please can I get you a mint julep? Oh, I'm terribly parched. I'd really... Yeah, please, waiter. I would, I would like a couple mint juleps for me and my friend here. We're going to talk about embezzlement and uh, and framing other people for our misdeeds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't forget about having the banks bail us out yet again. Now, oh, I thought that went without saying. Oh, well, you know. Count your blessings. You know, this is shaping up to be the best white-collar crime convention that I've seen since, uh, since 1977 Mississippi. Mm, I do say these are delectable. This 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 tonic definitely definitely cures what ails me. Mm. Do you feel a little strange? There's something maybe strange in the julep. Mm, this is a this is a unique vintage. I'm not familiar with. I I seem to. Mm. Oh my! Oh my! I can uh, I can I can duplicate these dollar bills that I was using to wipe my face. I do believe I'm getting the vapors. Oh, goodness. you're becoming I, the vapors. I'm becoming the vapors. I could slip in and out of uh, out of places with proprietary documents that are not my property, uh, like like no one's business. This, you know, <laughs> this is going to help us do so many white collar crime. It. What a blessing. I can't believe that it, the these superpowers were concentrated into a place where. Only criminals really have access to them. I tell you what, the rich really do get richer. But what about that fella over there? Oh, that's just Virgin Hawkman. He's, I mean, he's a do-gooder, sure, and I guess he's been sipping at the juleps, but what are the chances that he would have a better power than any of us and would be able to keep us in line? I heard he was on the up and up, but I assumed that meant he was cooking the books. I just hope that uh, the hundreds of people here at this convention will be able to take down one do-good and superhero. That's that, that's the hope. Otherwise, his antics will put a shock to our economic system. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, it, well, like, yeah, it's a, it's a little weird because like we have to tread those racial lines from the opposite perspective, but I think everyone got it. <laughs> Listen, I think we're okay. We chose the route that was easiest for us. I mean, yeah, like yeah, if we're gonna make fun of a race, white is probably the right one to do. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, like I guess we're gonna have to talk about that in a second with a disclaimer at the top, like we are known for. But uh, until before we get there, yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pumpy, Pun- punchy, paunchy, pun- pooky, poochy. Um, you're feeling paunchy. <laughs> I am feeling paunchy. <laughs> okay, that's okay. I mean, like I am too. I also feel ki- like quarantine's kind of wild because I have not been. I've been more sedentary, but I've also kind of been eating a little bit mm. better, and like. I don't know, I guess, like, my body is just, like, pretty stress-free in that it is reverted down Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so that, like, 
I'm paunchy. Like, I'm clearly less healthy, but I'm also, like, more comfortable in my own skin than I've been in a long for sure. time. Yeah, I, uh, it, it goes on a, it goes on a wave for me, the health with eating and trying to do indoor exercise or, like, outdoor biking or whatever, but, um, honestly, it more made me realize just how sedentary I've been prior to quarantine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is actually not that different. The, I mean, the, the chair <laughs> and the desk good. are different, like... But really, what's changed? Yeah, there's more shit. There's more stuff on them. <laughs> the right. difference is instead of getting up every hour to go for a walk around the building, I just don't and then go for a bike ride at three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've been trying to get myself in a schedule of sorts because uh, I respond super hard to figures of a purported mm. authority. So um, I subscribe to a 30-day like power yoga workout routine that's like a half hour what you, what you need is a so uh, virgil's have... dad figure in your life i ju- i yeah just a kevin michael richardson needs to come down from on high and say this room's room needs to be clean son i'll be like oh, yes sir <laughs> later pops i'm hanging out with my friends <laughs> yo pops that track is slamming <laughs> yeah that's gonna be hard to avoid <laughs> Uh, let me welcome everyone to the Carton Cast. My name is Ben, and my name is Zane. And we put a shock to your system. Yeah, the uh, Carton Cast is... is gonna be gonna be be gonna be a super podcast. Do you mean super podcast? Shock. <laughs> whoop whoop. <laughs> Little Romeo. No, we'll talk about it, dude. I've got a lot of opinions there, but uh, yeah, this is the podcast where we review old cartoons to see what we think of them as adults. And today we are talking about for our one hundred fiftieth episode. Static Shock. That's right. On the 50s, we go good superhero. <laughs> Apparently. Multi-season. Mm, delicious. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and I'm a little, I feel a little bad that we are retreading old ground for such a big, you know, watermark episode. Because we did do Teen Titans mm-hmm. for our 50th episode. Static and Shock this... did eventually join the Teen Titans. And, you know, depending on your continuity. But this is as... You know, given that it's a DC property, um, I was it, it like is pretty much as far away from the common DC superhero franchise methodology as you can get. Yeah, like if you look at some of the other DC things that were going on at the time, you know, Batman the Animated Series, very similar to uh, Batman Beyond. You look at Justice Superman, League. it's very similar to Justice League. They're, they're all very This is distinct. This is the Spider-Man of DC. Mm-hmm. It's very Spider-Man. <laughs> it's exceedingly Spider-Man. Um, yeah, and we'll 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 get into it. But uh, yeah, Zane, do you want to give us the production history? Yeah, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole here because I kept clicking and things just kept getting more interesting. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, Static Shock ran on the WB from 2000 to 2004. Uh, it was based on the comic book Static, started in 1993 by Milestone Comics. So they were produced through DC, but not controlled by them. So they had their own sort of. Uh, editorial uh control and they wanted to emphasize better representation uh in comic books yeah and and they they succeeded um the thing that i want to give a disclaimer for at the top of the episode is that static shock is about a black youth superhero the show doesn't shy away from that fact it leans into it it doesn't try to color blindness anything like we get a lot of stories that revolve around gang activity and family life for the underprivileged especially racially um, we're going to talk about all of it. Mm-hmm. I, I have confidence that we can do so with decorum and grace, but yeah. uh, just be aware that we are not the most, uh, the most well versed. Yeah, let, let's let's say that we we're not. Uh, you know, 
we're not we're not black people. Although having watched most of Static Shock, <laughs> I can now say with perfect confidence that I understand all the subtleties of being a black man. <laughs> you know, when you said no, although, I was like, where's this sentence going to end? And it just kind of got worse. No, obviously we we can't purport to like understand everything <laughs> that this show is portraying. It's not really for us in many ways, but. It is for a general audience. It still is. It it still still cleaves to the Spider-Man ideal of showing the difficulties of being a teen in a certain time and place. And that was an explicit desire by the creator saying, teens today deal with gang violence. They deal with homelessness. And this was during an era where Spider-Man kind of was at the top of the pops. He had married a supermodel. He was an established superhero. Everybody loved it. Like it, it was no longer the same struggle. That that is true, and it's also I think worth pointing out that Spider Man's struggle was being a superhero while being in a lower economic rung. Mm-hmm. Uh, Static Shock is about being a superhero in a lower economic economic and racial rung. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more of a social thing. It's it's it really leans into the social aspect in ways that are. Damn near impeccable, I honestly think. Yeah, so so like the other comics from Milestone, uh, these took place in the Dakotaverse, which is centered around the fictional city of Dakota, which is like Midwest, old factory city. Think Detroit, think Flint. Uh, yeah, I was thinking, I got a lot of Detroit out of this. And uh, after Milestone folded in 1997, and they tried to, to restart things in a few different ways, so this is one of those efforts, uh, they were fully combined into DC in 2008, and Static became a member of the Teen Titans. Um, yep. So the show was created by the same people who formed Milestone and made Static, including uh, Dwayne McDuffie and Denny's Cohen. Cohen went on to produce the Boondocks. Um, while McDuffie did a lot of work on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, he's credited as the one responsible for making Jon Stewart the definitive Green Lantern uh, for, for most people. Yeah, that's, that's the Green Lantern I know. Yeah, like, for anyone who's not a comics nerd or not super, like over-the-top fan of ryan reynolds uh john stewart is, is the official like that's green lantern deadpool got rid of him it's cool yeah De- oh man did he ever yeah um yeah no that's that that is true yeah it's and i i think that they definitely had a you know thumb on the pulse of what the market wanted in that moment you know early 2000s uh was definitely aching for a superhero show like spider-man um and and so like it was kind of prescient that they were like what if uh you know what what if what if black (laughs) spider-man like not exactly but like it it, they milestone definitely had um definitely had the wherewithal to see what the what the market wanted at that moment yeah the, the justice league show was much more of the adult you know authority figures organizations working together um, but this show was aimed at a younger audience. They and a more grounded show. Yeah, you know, like we're not fighting Galactus. We are cleaning up the streets, friendly neighborhood, Static Man. And it it just kind of worked out that way. They had other properties that they considered. Um, so like uh, a Hardware, which was a comic about someone who felt like they were a cog in corporate America, rising up against you know Alva, who they was a villain who they brought into this show. But the reason they picked Static is. Um, because basically the DC and Milestone universes had uh, conflicting canons and Statics was the one that conflicted the least. What do you mean? So like the lore of the of hardware or other Milestone comic things conflicted with DC universe. You know, they restart the universe every five or ten years. 
um, with their own like weird like lore and stuff. Um, statics just happened to not conflict with any of the DC like this is how our universe works, uh, and so they were like that's the one. Well, that, it's probably in part because like static is self-contained, and I think yes. it's best when it is self-contained when it is that friendly neighborhood Spider-Man that isn't you know talking to Iron Man. It, it's he's just in this area, this his own part of town. He's got his own identity, and. One thing that we'll get into is that that is somewhat muddled when he teams up occasionally. I, I really enjoyed the crossover episodes. Well, they, they were really highly regarded, but I think it, it, it starts to enter in this problem of losing his identity as a black man into his identity as a superhero. And when, when we don't have those crossovers, that's very apparent and like well-addressed. And when the crossovers happen, I don't feel it anymore. It's much more of just a like, young hero. Like it, It's like Young Justice. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's more Young Justice. Um, I want to say a couple of generalities about the show itself before we kind of go into the plot and such. Sure. As we mentioned, there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of appeal here toward a young black audience. You may recall Kids WB um, and other you know networks at the time of late '90s, early thousands, trying to get a handle on hip hop culture. Yes. With varying degrees of success. Yeah, it was mixed. Uh, you know, now, I think that the way they frame him as a person just trying to get by while gang activities go on is way better than that, like, kind of hokey way that other networks would try to... Like, remember in Cousin Skeeter? I was when, hoping you weren't going to bring up Cousin Skeeter, but yes. Well, I mean, like, that is, you know, a show very obviously written by a bunch of white people. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, like, you know, they have all, like, these demarcators for this is how a black person talks. So that that's the dialogue that we're going to give. And we're going to go, like, this this eight-year-old girl is going to say, let's go get our freak on. Right. With no irony. And I don't feel that here. Like, it feels just much truer. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like they actually were tapping into um, the culture of this period. That doesn't mean that it doesn't sound ridiculous. Because <laughs> it, it sometimes does. It, like uh, ridiculous in the way that like all early two thousand slang was bad and stupid. Well, yeah. L- let me put a point of comparison in so there. It's the what's up era. Yeah. Well, Bart Simpson and Sonic the Hedgehog were all kind of tapping into this Tony Hawk surfer jive thing <laughs> in the nineties. Um. So like a lot of that cool lingo looks ridiculous, regardless of how well it executed at the sure. time. Yeah, it just hasn't aged well. When Virgil says, "Yo, pops, that track is slamming." <laughs> It's hard it's hard not to roll your eyes. But I also give it the credit, like the benefit of the doubt. Like this yeah. is a dated product. You're gonna encounter some of that. I don't think that hip hop culture was misrepresented in the way that a cousin Skeeter kind of thing. Like I don't feel like they misrepresented the era and the moment and the social structure. To to the best of our knowledge. As far as we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean it it, it definitely from my experience teaching, um, this seemed like a better like representation of what my students were going through than a lot of other things that were much more explicit. It, it in no small part is helped by the fact that all the struggles are things that are relatable to um, you know black youths, gun violence, gang activity, um, and and to also paint all of that with music that is pretty hip-hop oriented Mm -hmm. and i'll have more to say about that later on don't you worry about that um 
you know, that it all is a very consistent, this is a portrayal of a young black man in, you know, his pre, his, his pubescence trying to like navigate the social structures around him and the, the, the problems that are available that happen in his life. Yeah, sure. I also wanted to talk about like some of the hallmarks of the, you know, kind of urban outreach show DNA from the nineties. <laughs> okay. Be- because like, if you think about any sort of nineties era, you think in your Keenan black and TV Kel, show, you're I'm thinking, think- well, I'm thinking about uh fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Sure. I'm thinking about like the Huxtables, mm-hmm. you know, um, there is a few things that kind of codify the we're trying to appeal to this type of this demographic without scaring away the white demographic as well yes and (laughs) and there's some some kind of leftovers from that era that make its way into static shock the first of which guest stars yeah Uh, i don't know which ones you saw but it is not so good Uh, I tended to see the more like superhero crossover things, but I'm aware of the fact that they met with the NBA and with Lil Romeo. <laughs> yeah, Shaquille O'Neal showed up. It it, it kind of like felt like an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air where they open the door and like Carlton exclaims, "Donny Osmond!" <laughs> clap, 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 clap. Exactly. <laughs> like it just is incredibly weird and sad. <laughs> hey, my car broke down. <laughs> Yeah, my car broke down. Can you give me a lift? It's the Backstreet Boys. Oh, man. It was the Backstreet Boys as well here. Backstreet Boys and Little Romeo show up in this. And it, like, they don't... It's just kind of like this incredible lack of awareness of how weird it is. Yeah, because, like, that's not what this show's about. It's so fucking unnecessary. It's just, like, weird. uh, Like, somebody had connections in the industry and wanted to get in on it and... Here we are. So that's an element of the 90s era kind of urban outreach thing that I don't think works very well. The crossover episodes are better. I do think that they lose some of that hometown identity I I was talking about. Yeah, they're much more generic Justice League feeling stories. It's like Static is going into their shows. Right. And that gives Static, that gives him an opportunity to kind of, you know, nut up or shut up, so so to speak. Yeah, so to speak. We we get to see, like, what our friendly neighborhood battery does when the chips are down, when the stakes are high, right? And that can be fun in a personal way, but really loses a lot of that hometown identity. The thing that I think works the best, which is a holdover from those 90s 90s era outreach shows, the very special episodes. And this is something that I really want to dive into right now. Oh, all right, right now. If that's okay. Yeah, I mean, McDuffie and the others uh, working on this had it, like, they explicitly really wanted to deal with these issues in a way that actually uh, was effective and not hokey. You know, they grew up watching G.I. Joe. They knew what was and was not cool right now and what would get through to the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think it contributed to the show's popularity and their awards. Yeah, uh, I, I want to bring up uh, just a couple of points of comparison. If you wanted to talk about them at length later, that is fine. Mm-hmm. I just kind of want to put them in there as examples of how well they do this very special episode kind of thing. So by very special episode, for those not in the know, and there's a great YouTube series called Very Special Episode oh that just gosh. point out how crazy this stuff is. Um, but they work they, they work on this metric. Uh uh, there's a normal episode like I, I mostly became familiar with this with Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which had a pretty ha- had a huge habit of trying to do this, mm-hmm. where the episode is not just joking and 
regular kind of dynamics. It talks about a specific issue, and it's sort of Oscar Beatty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's this, really this, trying to or Humanitas Prize in the case Humanitas of, uh, Prize. It's really animation. trying to tug the heartstrings, and like this is a moment that we want to tr- be treated serious in. Um, so. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, they'll have an episode where Carlton takes speed, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so they get to talk about drugs for the whole episode. What makes that difficult in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is the fact that there's a laugh track. Yeah. But uh, Static Shock is mature enough that it can handle an episode like that and not have trouble with it. Yeah, because they're already dealing with, like, it's it's a, it's a present force. It's already force. mature. So, social forces are constantly present here. That's part of the theming. Um a few episodes that I noted. There is an episode uh, about just blanket racism. Yep. Uh, Virgil spends the night at Richie's uh, house, and it's revealed that his dad is a big old textbook racist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they have to kind of navigate that. And we see, like, a lot of different facets of it where, like, Richie is mad at his dad for scaring away his best friend and worried that the best friend will, um, will you know take that personally as as like oh richie might not care about me that much if he comes from this and like so we get into like a little bit of what do we pass down to our kids what do we take from our parents sure. it's really cool yeah and it's, it's very really well, well handled yeah i think the kind of there, there's an addiction episode with mm-hmm. addiction to superpowers being used as an, an analogy of course to like addiction to like first first taste is free yeah i i like it um when uh you don't necessarily know oh this is going to be a special episode like uh there's one where rubber band man is revealed to be dyslexic and Mm. he deals with that in through the course of disarming a bomb i did not realize that one and and it sounds so forced but it's really well done (laughs) it does sound forced i would be surprised I, I I would love to like. They see they that do have a very special conversation after the episode, but that is rare. They don't usually do that. Well, I mean, they do in a couple. They do in my. I think what is the standout episode that showcases the very special episode? You talking about Jimmy? I'm talking about Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, this is the, you know, this is the gun violence episode, and it plays as like a retrospective. How did Virgil handle this whole situation? There was a kid, he was bullied at school, he was a shut-in, he was an outcast, and eventually he snapped, brought a gun into school, and accidentally shot Richie, who, you know, survived, but, you know, we we get to see Virgil kind of explaining his feelings to a therapist, which that in and of itself (laughs) is fucking crazy good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like talking to a therapist and unraveling his feelings and seeing just, like, how necessary mental health counseling is in that environment. Um... Yeah, it's it's incredibly well handled, and I would definitely recommend everybody to check out that episode of Jimmy, um, just to like kind of get a a beat on how well this show is able to handle those issues. Yeah, and that one was a little more Oscar Beatty, um, of but, course. But in general, I think they they do these well, and they like so often in shows when somebody does do the addiction thing or you know whatever problem they're having. You only see it framed as like they made a mistake. You don't ever understand why they ended up down that road. And here they always do. Well, it, it's, and that's a really good way to segue into what the plot is because um, the main forces that lead, so, so let, let's, let's discuss the main plot and then I can explain what I, what I mean by that. Um, the main plot is that there is an explosion of experimental gas 
and it causes everybody in this particular area to develop superpowers. They're called Bang Babies. Which because is, of the Big Bang. Because of the Big Bang, yeah. There's and it's an explosion. so bad. It's fucking weird. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I think this was their, like, we, we want to associate in the audience the phrase bang for like gang bang and i I think that's exactly what it was but but i don't understand why that was a priority for them (laughs) yeah it's one of those things where like uh yeah i don't i don't think that was extremely well handled but i i will say i think that this origin story is very elegant in how it sets up because spider-man everyone's in new york city just because it's the biggest city around here not only is it like okay we understand why this is all taking place in this you know it's localized random city and we understand because the only people there that night were part of a gang doing gang things we understand why they're mostly villains yeah yeah and and it goes into like every time we talk about a bang baby we see some of their characters slip out of like oh this is why they were in the gang in the begin with this is why they're using the levers of power that are available to them in order to get ahead like there's a ton of stuff about like homelessness and gang violence that they just felt like they had to be a part of it, it all connects back and becomes contextualized it, it informs why they were there that first night to begin with it's so cool and it's so elegant it's like that moment in justice league unlimited where the flash is talking to the trickster yeah. And it was like, draw off your meds again. That's why you're doing crimes. Yeah. And uh, imagine if that sort of like treatment and humanity to the villains was given to every episode. I don't know. Like, it's better than that, though, because that is, I've seen that scene and it is mostly played for laughs. Like, uh, haha, this isn't how superheroes fight. It is funny, though. I mean, it is funny, <laughs> but, but like, this is so elegant in like a mm-hmm. setting up why it is spatially localized, why it is demographically localized. Mm-hmm. And setting up the fact that Static is the only one who can really handle yeah. this neck of the woods. Because you see Virgil Hawkins, our, our hero, how he's bullied at school. He gets protection from a bigger guy who like says, like, you got to look out for yourself. You, we look out for each other. And he sort of gets strong-armed into coming there on that night. Right. Um, before realizing that he's developed powers and he can take care of himself now. Yeah, it's... And, and you know, I think that... So let, let's, you want to talk about uh, Virgil? So I, when looking up uh, Virgil Hawkins, I discovered why uh, who he was named after. And this is a cool side story. Yeah, bring it on. It is a cool name. So uh, McDuffie um, named the character after the real life Virgil Hawkins, who was a lawyer. Um, he spent over 25 years trying to be admitted to the Florida bar. Um, but was denied entrance from even studying law at the University of Florida Mm. by legal and then non-legal measures. Uh, He was denied the option to even take the bar exam. And eventually, the state Supreme Court said that he just, you're admitted to the bar full stop. But by that Mm. point, he was 69. Yeah. To start his legal practice, he was out of of, uh, practice. And so he had issues when he was trying to run that legal practice and he had to resign from the bar. And he said... When I get to heaven, I want to be a member of the Florida Bar. And he was reinstated posthumously. Oh, wow. And so McDuffie found this like as a very clear example of someone who wanted to be a hero, um, but couldn't due to those social and racial factors, and, uh, and had him live on in memory in uh, this really cool superhero. That's awesome. And, and so tragic. And there's like, you know, this... There's an element of this that is not as relatable as it could be because it's also escapist fantasy. Sure, so like, power. 
Right. So like, you know, uh, you know, maybe a black youth watching this is like, I'm going through a bunch of stuff. I want to be a good guy. Oh, wait, I, I don't have, I don't have fucking lightning powers. I don't have well, <laughs> yeah. So like it, there's a little disparity there, but, um, it is, it is still a really cool relatable story that underlines the thought process going into creating this character. Mm-hmm. Um, he's voiced by Phil Lamar, who oh. we have. Oh yeah. Amazing. He's, yeah, and we've dealt with him many times before. He's Green Lantern. He's the he is the John Stewart yep. Green Lantern. Um, he's Samurai Jack. He's Hermes Conrad from Futurama. Yeah, this is younger than a lot of his normal roles. I I watched an interview uh, with him where he was talking about his different roles. Uh, he he tried out for Aqualad and Young Justice, um, mm-hmm. but when Carrie Payton got the role, he's like, yeah, no, that that, that guy's perfect. But the he actually is. The, but the producer said, like, hey, you know, we really like you. How about you play Aquaman for this one? He was excited. I'm like, oh, I can't wait to be Black Aquaman. And they were like, oh, sorry, he's not Black Aquaman. Damn. <laughs> um, did you, uh, yeah, isn't Carrie Payton, isn't he Cyborg? Cyborg yeah. From, like, every continuity as well? Mm-hmm. That's rad. That's I, very, I hate to say typecast, but he does a great job in all those roles. No, he, he de- and, like, I think that Phil Lamar brings def- a definite, you know, I mean, I hesitate to say black voice, but I, I think that he is tapping into something central to the character in mm-hmm. a way that is, like, really, really yeah, excellent. It, and it's that hard line of a teen character where he's got that cocky attitude, but he's not annoying. You know, there's a lot of pathos here. We see him in different emotional states. Uh, yeah, except, no, he is annoying. Um, he's got what corny one-liners. What are you one-liners. talking about? He's, no, he's, he's funky he's, fresh. He's cool. He's, 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 so, he's so annoying. I, I, I dislike him in the same way that I dislike uh, Amazing Spider-Man. It's just he can't stop jiving out and... Well, he's he's quipping. It's classic wise. spider You know, it's that... I know, I just hate it. It's the dichotomy. <laughs> I, ex- I accept that it's there. It's, it's the just... Spider-Man dichotomy. Uncool civilian, super cool hero. Like, and he's not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> I put a shock to your system. Oh my God, he's so bad. <laughs> No, he's 90s cool. It's different. I, I understand. It's just like... <laughs> it was a different time. He, he doesn't read as cool to me, and I, I accept that as, as part of the cost there. <laughs> maybe, um, my, maybe my bar for cool is a lot lower. <laughs> that, that, that could be it. Uh, it's, it's stuck in the 90s, but now we've moved on. Um, yeah, I, I would have liked a little bit... Like, I think, he, I think we do get his black identity very well. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that gets expressed extremely well. Like... Um, in no small part because his like in no small part informed by his dad's role as like a social worker at the community yeah, center yeah which we'll get into in a minute but like <laughs> i think that we can see virgil kind of taking a lot of uh taking a lot of cues from like how to treat people right and like how to give people a chance mm-hmm. um I, I think that really comes through. I would have liked a little bit more in motivating why he wants to be a superhero. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. That's what's really cool and different about this is it, he's not a hero for revenge. He's not a hero, you know, necessarily even to do good. He's just like, this is awesome. This feels good. I Yeah, but, like, it's it's also kind of vague. Like, it, other than a generic clean up the streets kind of vibe that I get from him, I don't know what he wants to be a superhero for. Because it's awesome. Cause, uh, yeah, but is that Because really he read that... Spider-Man comics. I mean, like, that's how it feels when he and Richie are shooting the shit about all the things he can do with his his powers. He's just kind of... He just loves it. Like, well, there's, you know, But there's... When you're a kid and you're daydreaming about being a superhero, you don't think about exactly the why or the motivating force. It feels like we're on a ride in his daydreams. It works for me. I think that I could have enjoyed a bit more in terms of, like he has access to power that he doesn't have in his civilian life. 
And you're saying that with that power comes some sort of responsibility. <laughs> A great amount of responsibility. <laughs> well, because the powers are so great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I understand it. I just, uh, I would have loved it if we could connect the fact that he loves being a superhero back to his identity as a disadvantaged black youth. Well, well, I think that comes in with his family because his mom's out of the picture. Uh, she was killed right. by gang violence. And, you know, good detail. When, when writing this, McDuffie was worried. He was like, I don't want to show another incomplete nuclear family in black focused media. But he also thought but that, that's like, part of it. He also thought it made for good stories. And that, like, we don't get to see that black father son dynamic as much. And, and he was pushing forward for that. And no, I think that no. came across very well. No, especially with the whole, like, you know, um, especially with the whole, you know, new Jim Crow era of just jailing a bunch of black men so that a lot of uh, young black people don't grow, grow up without fathers. Like, that's definitely an underrepresented dynamic. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, they, they they recaptured this really well, I think, in, like, Into the Spider-Verse. Like, it's that same kind of, like, mm-hmm. my dad's an authority figure, I'm a little bit of a vigilante, but it's that supportive, smothering, kind of nice mishmash. Yeah, it's it's really good actually, and maybe we should just talk about Virgil's dad before we even get into Richie because we're already here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this is voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, who I know as Action Hank from Dexter's Lab. Can do no wrong. Yeah, he's the glorified commander. He's Panthro. He's the Martian Manhunter. Like it's just every deep voiced, probably actually black, even if it happens to be an alien race <laughs> kind of character. Like Panthro is always black. Like he's not shown as a black guy, but. You know, that is how they cast him. That mm-hmm. is how they they give us all the, the codifiers of this is a black person. Yeah, yeah, Even yeah. if he's a cat. They're, it's an intent. They're doing it on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. And, like, I love this voice actor. Kevin Michael Richardson is fucking fantastic. <laughs> um, and, like, like you were saying, I think that his design, you know, he's like a superhero of the household almost. He's raising two kids yeah. on his own. He doesn't lose his temper. He's a social worker. Um, and, you know, he, he does have that kind of trying to raise his kids to overcome the racist society around him. Sort yeah. Of you, you know those, uh, like, one-page Superman inserts where he's, like, thanking the firefighters and the, you know, nurses and, like, they're the real heroes? Like, yeah. he feels <laughs> yeah. like he's that kind of guy. Yes, he is that kind of guy. <laughs> Just like, listen, I know I'm a little heavy set and I don't have powers, but I'm going to drive all around town trying to find the kids. So, like... Oh, my God, he's got that cute paunch, too. Like, he's... <laughs> he's He's a little doughy. I love the it. The biggest dad energy. Yeah, he's he's got gigantic father energy. Um, I don't really actually have a lot more to say about him, but I find his presence very important in relating what Virgil is kind of going through. Like he sets the standard, the the ethical standard that Virgil as Static Shock sort of lives up to. Yeah, that I that's think. why I think you know taking to hero dumb comes so naturally for him because it's like. This is my role model. This is what I consider normal. Yeah. So this is what I'm going to do. I think so, too. Like, it, the, the, the connection between the two of them is very real and very well realized. His sister's a little less, you know, fun and interesting. They mostly yeah. doing that, like, annoying each other's siblings kind of kind of thing. It's, it's good conflict. It's like, it's a personalizing detail, but she doesn't ever really rise beyond the level of detail. I like her relationship with uh, Rubber Band Man and how she, like... <laughs> helps him become not a bad guy and like she, she like she's actually very good at talking to people she's just like we only really see her in the context of virgil and like there's gonna be conflict there one nice detail is that she cooks his food oh like, yeah all of his meals which is like 
there's no mom here. She is uh, adhering to a, you know, kind of motherly role out of necessity. The dad works full time trying to support this kid. So like that's that falls to her. And that's like a gender dynamic thing as well. That mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it, it doesn't go anywhere, really. But it, you know, it, it's, it's it, an extra detail that adds to the uh, verisimilitude of the situation. I think so, and I also like how it kind of shades Virgil as an ungrateful son of a bitch. Yeah, for which sure. he sort of is sometimes. <laughs> so like that's good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that's all that's all pretty great. Uh, um, do we want to talk about Richie, or you you started laughing when I talked about Rubber Band Man? <laughs> <laughs> Just I didn't like honestly. I didn't actually see a bunch of Rubber Band Man. He wasn't that interesting. Oh, I went out of my way for him. I love that guy. The, the fact that his name is Rubber Band Man is pretty incredible. It's so good because like. You stretchy powered person usually not that ba- much of a badass usually a goofball um yeah i i liked his character a lot <laughs> i just think that the fact that he's called rubber band man it's like the same thing as calling all these villains bang bang baby. babies <laughs> yeah yeah it goes along with this whole like this is this is not a thing that the justice league is going to care about <laughs> like yeah the, we're the just names like this. for most of them are kind of just like Ooh, what sounds what sounds rad and tough? Like I'm in a gang for sure. Yeah, there's just like uncool facet of a lot, like these a lot of uh, like sea level mutants yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Like this is this is like Toad, you yeah, know? Like there, yes, he's a, a villain. <laughs> yes, he's a villain. No, the X Institute is not going to pay him that much attention. What's your name? Shiv. Why? I got knives for hands. <laughs> I love Shiv. Shiv's, Shiv's pretty fun. Shiv has like, uh, well, like, I really want to talk about Richie, but we're already here, so uh, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about, like, kind of our favorite one-off, not one-off, but, like, reoccurring villain as part of a gang. Because the, the most successful villains in this are all part of gangs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they part band together, gangs. they share resources, you know, it, it's it's true to life. Those have a way of sustaining themselves. I love Shiv. I think his design is really cool. I think his powers are super fun, and he's got this great weaselly laugh. Mm-hmm. Like he's just fucking game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just... and and uh, the other members of the meta breed are also great. Uh, Talon, who uh, we we realize like because her uh, uh, powers come in the form of like a complete physiological difference, she can't really fit in. She's sort of forced into this lifestyle. I got like a little bit of a Latinx kind of vibe from mm-hmm. her as well. Like it's. It comes through her uh, her accent, even though we don't actually see. Yeah, you know, it, it, she's she's covered in fur. You know. Yeah, the the whole cast is is meant to be very diverse and representative of that sort of city. Yeah, I- including uh, like you know, poser poser white guy bullies. Oh my goodness, you hot talk, streak! You know, I hate hot streak. I love him. Like I love his character design. I think he's a really well thought out character. I just don't like him. Well, like it, they 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 took a lot of the. Um, they took a lot of like the codifiers for oh this is a thug, but thankfully made him a white guy. Yeah, this is Danny Cooksey, um, who you might remember as Milo from Pepper Ann or Dave the Barbarian. Like you can hear it, but there's uh, a lot of edge lord. Come on, man, he's Jack Spicer, the Dragon of Metal. The Dragon of Metal himself, Jack Spicer. <laughs> the Dragon of Metal, yes, Mother of Dragons. Um, yeah, you know he's like honestly, I love Danny Cooksey every time he shows up. I think that he's pretty good here. Mm-hmm. Like he's just got a lot of bullshit energy. Like he keeps <laughs> changing his important. supervillain name and gets mad when people can't keep up. Like f stop, yeah, yo f stop. <laughs> it's hot streak now. Um, he does the same kind of dumb one liners. I honestly thought that he was going to be more of a rival. Yeah, he 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 just sort of showed up as like 
we couldn't think of a villain for this episode. <laughs> right, right. We didn't have a good sense of the motivation. <laughs> yeah, I, I I tended to like him a lot though, specifically because of uh because of the because of the voice acting there. And I also like I like that how he's just clearly a you know, a, a, a American Dragon Jake Long kind of poser. This is Flash Thompson from Spider-Man. Well, yeah, but like with a lot of, you know, trying to be wants to be in a Wants to be in a gang kind of stuff. I totally forgot that we watched American Dragon. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, my the last minor character from like a um, the, uh, another one I want to bring up is Kangor. Oh man, yeah. Oh, why you call yourself Kangor? I got big legs, you know, like a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, it's very simple. But the the thing I want to bring up with him, who's also voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, the thing I want to bring up with him is that he's got definitely like Rastafari, like he's got he's like Jamaican definitely. Accent. He's a Jamaican accent, and every time we see him, there's a Rastafarian hip-hop thing going on, and he's got his own leitmotif. Kangor. No problem, man. Yeah, they, mm, they do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. I like the, like, very well thought out, like, character models here, where he's got big feet and big legs, and he doesn't walk, he jumps around, because his feet would tangle themselves up otherwise. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Um, I think the best and most like established villain is probably Ebon. Mm-hmm. Um, Ebon's you know, world. He holds closest to that idea of like gangs were here during the Big Bang, uh, and he keeps trying to bring new people into his gang, the Meta Breed. Yeah, he's pretty much Magneto here. Very Magneto. Like, you know, we are the underclass, but we have better powers than them. We should exert those powers because they are the way that we can get ahead and he even talks to rubber band man like he's professor x like you're my brother you know you should be a part of this we should take them down we're better than them look at all this fanfic that they got about us making out and he like they they have their gang headquarters in like an abandoned building and he sits on this like cheap throne he's like i'm king here (laughs) like man look a little higher oh man i love how like everybody just like is constantly hiding out in a sewer. Like <laughs> Virgil's Virgil's like Fortress of Solitude is an abandoned gas station. <laughs> it's so good. That is so awesome. Makes sense. Got all, just every kind of detail that we have about this that like it just you feel like you're in an inner city with like gang violence all yeah. the time. The times when they kind of go away from that is when they view those more like white collar crime enemies who are always white people as well yeah um, so this is and they're in like these big fancy science labs you know kind of like the lex luther thing yeah cadmus so, uh, edwin alva is mm-hmm. um you know th- the sort of big like lex luther figure i have i have a lot of science i have a lot of money i run this town i like the fact that they have like super villains as like the moneyed individuals keeping the city down as well as the gangs who are just out for themselves like those two different aspects of victimizing the civilians oh it's even better than that the guys in on top are also exploiting using the gangs on the ground level for cheap labor and then discarding them for sure so like you know making levers of power out of these kind of patsies you know for their white collar kind of machinations um i also have to point out specs and trapper who, uh, the names, the not names because, are so uncool. <laughs> yeah, these are just regular like science bros who voice deadpan. I just point them out because one of them is Michael Rosenbaum, aka the Flash, and the other one for some reason is Patton Oswalt. Oh my God, is he really? <laughs> what is he doing here? And these guys are just like, we're really smart, therefore we're better than everyone, therefore crime. 
Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing to them. I just love the fact that their names are Specs and Trapper. Mr. Trapper? Mr. Smith. Oh, yeah, that is Patton Oswalt. <laughs> you just, shit. you get such a sense of who the people are holding the city together. And it's Static and it's Virgil's dad. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all of it. That's all they need. And that let's and talk about center. Richie. And we'll talk about Richie. This is voiced by Jason Marsden. Goofy son Max. Uh, Impulse from Young Justice. Mm-hmm. And Chester McBadbat from oh. uh, Fairly Odd Parents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I buy their friendship, which is the most important thing in a friendship in a in a cartoon. This is something they changed from the comics, where uh, Static's confidant was Frida, who became a much more minor role. I think it was a good move. I think it definitely appealed to the demographic they were aiming at, the sort of bromance. They have such chemistry together. It's great. Uh, I've actually got a bit of lore here. Please. Uh, from the sec- first and second seasons, when, uh, when the third season rolled around, they found it harder to justify Richie's place in Static's story. And decided to make him a hero in his own right in order to keep that chemistry alive. Yeah. And it created a superhero so that this this bromance could continue. It's credited as the reason they got a season four. They're like, (laughs) this reinvigorated the series. Yeah, it and it, it's like it's one of those things that you could easily have seen like kind of tanking the series, kind of changing his role from you know, um Sidekick. kind of an Alfred sort of uh yeah. confidant. To but a Robin. It, like, yeah, but like it actually works. Like it works okay. Because the combat in it, it like we, we haven't really gone on to it at all. The actual fights in the series are not that novel. Mm-hmm. Like they're fine. They're they're DC. Yeah, oh you know, I'm in an alley series. and this guy is hiding in a dumpster and I throw a trash can at him. Like you, you they're you're God, limited. God, even even the fucking even the fucking combat is all we're using like dumpsters and dump trucks to yeah. like to hurt each other. Yeah. Oh, I'm in the I'm in the radio shack. I'm gonna amplify sounds through the through the boombox. Yeah, it's not that cool, but like th- their chemistry as friends is very believable, and it stays both in their superhero uh, uh, context as in their like just hanging out guys. Like even after Richie becomes super smart and invents a bunch of stuff, they still just like hanging out playing video games. <laughs> Make, yeah, making they, fun of each other, eating pizza. Right, and they, they're definitely nerds as well, like, in the social, as well as, like, the kind of racial ostracism angle. Like, they are definitely nerds at school. Mm-hmm. They've got that social ostracism angle, so it is easy to see why they kind of click. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, uh, yeah. they're still laid-back teens who don't fit in with the cool kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I, I love their relationship. I think it's really cool. I don't mind that gear became a thing. I think it would have been fine... If he just stayed as Richie. I, I liked it. I thought that it added, you know, you can start taking on tougher threats. You can start dealing with things that naturally foil static. Uh, and you can see sort of a difference in the way they handle stuff. I think it I think it helps with the dynamic in that, like, a team fight is going to be more interesting than a solo fight after a certain point of time. I don't find the whole now they can fight tougher villains thing compelling because in Teen Titans, it was just narrative told us. How much, sta- how much, you know, Robin could fight. Yeah, wh- whoever's having a bad day is the one we need to win it all. Yep, yep. <laughs> and so, like, I, you know, the narrative tells us what is important and who can take out who. And that's sure. exactly what happens here. There's no, there's no twist from that formula. So I think that adding gear doesn't inform them being able to handle bigger threats, but more complex threats. And it makes the, the choreography a little bit more interesting. Yeah, agreed. And you don't have to keep jumping back and forth between Richie on the street with a walkie-talkie and Static in the actual action. 
I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that vibe too. Like an oracle. Yeah, I kind of liked him as an oracle. Honestly, I was kind of hoping he'd get his back snapped. Yeah, I didn't. I, <laughs> I didn't miss <laughs> no, it that I'm much. Just saying. Um, one thing I really liked was I never saw Richie like feel contempt that Static could do things he couldn't. Oh, I, f- I saw that. He was always supportive. He was supportive, but like it came through in other ways. Like it came through as like him being hyper aggressive as a coach. Oh, or like sure. taking this hero thing a little bit more seriously. Yeah, like, oh, I came up with this great new tech for you because I want to prove... Like, uh, it came off as a little jealous or a little, like, wanting to live vicariously, but it didn't feel like contempt. Not contempt, just jealousy. Yeah. Also, a little bit homoerotic because this character is actually gay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Not in the cartoon. Like, they weren't actually... For whatever reason, they were able to handle gun violence and racism, but couldn't quite you know thread the needle on getting a homosexual character involved so that's cool that's cool kids wb i mean they 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 put they put stuff in to make it read more people who are watching for it will see um yeah he gets very possessive of virgil for sure um yeah i i would have loved to see kids wb try to handle that one and it's unfortunate that they didn't yeah i mean they were they were trying to juggle a lot here, I think. I don't, I like, yeah, but they've proven they can do mature topics, even if it's just a little bit at a time, and it wouldn't have changed his character that, that, that substantially, right? No, probably not. It probably also would have been a really cool point of comparison to, like, kind of talk about Virgil's racism alongside the homophobia that Richie would experience. That would have been a cool, that would have been a cool connection. Maybe it would have overshadowed the racial part of it, though. I don't know how much it would have added. I think it. I think it would have been a, a positive step forward representation wise. But I also think oh, that yeah. it just like that's not the story. I think they were going for. I can see that. It's it just uh, it bummed me out a little bit that they didn't try harder on that. Yeah. One thing that I think is really cool about Richie that they do manage to inject is that even though there's not a racial bone in his body, like a racist bone in Richie's body, uh, he is kind of ignorant about what's what uh, Virgil is going through sometimes. Uh-huh. I'm talking specifically about the... And it, it's it's subtle, but it's definitely there. I'm talking specifically about the episode where Virgil and his family go visit Africa. Oh, yeah. I wanted to, to watch that one, and I didn't. It's very cool. It's got uh, Anansi the Spider, who is excellent. Mm-hmm. And apparently uh, the show goes on record of also having good representation for Ghana, which is I think is very cool. Yeah. Because, you know, people in the United States have such a misaligned view of what Africa <laughs> is like. And it's like, oh, I'm in a fucking city. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that that was really cool. That was one of those kind of edging toward very special episode episodes. But there's a moment where Virgil is saying, uh, you know, I, I was kind of amazed because, like, my dad is, like, talking about how all these people are connected. He's, he's gone totally in this one direction. And Richie's like... Yeah, my dad got real weird when we visited Ireland too. And Virgil's <laughs> like, "That's that's really not it. You're you're not really getting it. Like, there's a, there's an element here you don't really understand." So like, yeah, wasn't he saying like, "I can walk around here and not feel I'm not just a black kid. I'm yeah. a kid." Right. Yeah. It's it, which is a very elegant way to put it. Yeah, I mean yeah. that that line stuck in my head even though I didn't watch that episode. Hmm. And, and so I think that there are times where Richie is just, like, a little bit innocent of exactly the experience. Like, he understands on a conceptual level yeah. that society puts black people down, but he doesn't live it. And that does come through. And and their relationship is strong enough that, like, 
they can talk through that and not feel uh not feel judging or or accused or anything yeah yeah like think about like what we're saying here in terms of like i know that we've been kind of dragging our feet on getting through this episode to like actually get to like combat and shit combat's not that cool all these interpersonal elements and relating (laughs) to you know the society that is very much depicting black people on you know being disadvantaged that's the cool part yeah so that's that is what i'm focusing on this is a comic book comics deal well with character development and cool ideas and cool worlds and we should mention just to like point it out just like to underline it a little bit most superhero comics do not have this fine a touch on a culture or on like social commentary Mm -hmm. most cartoons that try to do the superhero thing always go in the you know superpower fantasy kind of setting and you can have personality in there we talked a lot of sugar about the people involved in teen titans but we didn't really connect it to anything in the world yeah and mainstream comics and cartoons i know that there is a uh there is a uh, healthy like black comics publishing sort of uh um sure what what you call it community yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I don't have a lot of access to it, but I've seen some really interesting exhibits and they definitely also deal with you mean, this. like the rapper exhibit? No. Yo dog, I heard you liked superheroes <laughs> fantasies. So oh, how out of him, how out of it am I that I thought you were like, oh, like the exhibit on rappers down at the local museum. <laughs> like, I don't I've, know, man. Like th- that exhibit joke would also have fit into this show. <laughs> like I, I, that's like a 10 years ago joke. He's got to be pronounced differently, right? It's like exhibit. No, it's exhibit. Oh, that's so hard I for think, me. I think it is. I like the one on derivatives best. Huh? Are you familiar with that? Like that, that was a whole meme back in the no, day. No, I Yo know dog. the meme. You're 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 going extra meme levels deep. I'm not, I'm uh, well, not primed. I'm, I want to put it in the show notes, so I'm going to put it in there. It's the one about the derivative chain. The, when you take derivatives, when you do the chain rule. Yo, dog, I heard you like derivatives, so I put a derivative in your derivative so you can derive while you derive. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Memes have come so far, I kind of can't remember the original ones. I, that one is stuck in my heart. <laughs> so, But anyway, uh, moving on. For sure. Did you have any other characters you wanted to discuss? Those were the main ones. I can always talk about Rubber Band Man for the fact that he's called that. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Like I just love every mundane, uncool facet of this of this property. But but while we're talking about how good the characters are, I want to talk about the way they look because I think the character designs are uniformly amazing. Let's talk about animation. Um, so statics like open trench coat, lightning bolt shades riding around originally on a trash can lid and then he's got that like slidey disc thing like Mm -hmm. that all works for me yeah i'm pretty into his design the one thing i would do without is like the yellow highlighter walter sobjack sobjack uh sunglasses yeah i think they switch it around after season three a little bit more black i think they do uh, yeah uh, texture more black color in the costume they look a little weirdly campy uh in the first bit but Mm -hmm. like yeah I, i i like his i like the little badass overcoat kind of thing i love his hair goes yeah. goes along with that the dreads gear works per, like in gears origin story he uh you know he had to rush to put together some protection from like his hockey gear and his roller skates and then he's just like all right well let's add a little more padding and that's my superhero costume it looks, he looks like he's coming out of tron <laughs> yeah he does look like he's coming out of tron which you imagine i can imagine that being richie's favorite movie yeah of course <laughs> yeah richie is man i, I just love richie I love his like big overcoat, like uh, or his uh, big hoodie, 
Because, like, he yeah. takes it off and you see, like, he's not fat, but, like, he's definitely schlubby. I think that uh, Virgil also kind of has a, um, the, like, his regular outfit, is do- it does kind of evoke kind of, like, uh, African culture or maybe, like, Jamaican culture kind of vibes oh, to it. Oh, the bright yellow and then the red on the arms made me think of McDonald's uniform. Is that... <laughs> you mean burger pool is that wrong <laughs> they, you mean burger pool they have their own proprietary mcdonald's uh, <laughs> their own mcdonald's blend um yeah i i do like though those two as far as like their street clothes and then their costumes mm-hmm. that works really good like they're all mundane right um virgil's pops a little bit more but like richie wears a hoodie you know his sister is just wearing clothes like there's not weird you know hyper emblematic clothes are just these are people yeah (laughs) the way to show that these are just people the villains also have that nice mix where some of them are just like clearly like my superpowers work in my street clothes so this is what i'm wearing (laughs) his dad wears white collar clothes like it's not a you know they they don't go kind of over the top they keep everything pretty grounded but then you get like oh this guy's a giant armadillo what are his options for clothes other than like some big baggy shorts Really nothing. I, I mean, I liked Hot Streak's clothes. I like the dumb, you know, baggy pants that he doesn't bother to pull up. Yeah, because he's trying to fit in. Like, he's a huge yeah, poser. Yes, exactly. That I mean, like, that little detail is so key. Like, the little Hot Streak, like, the, the flame tips in his hair. Yeah, yeah. He could, Josh Mankey could th- learn a thing or two. Yeah, it just, it comes across really well what his personality is. The All of the models and, like, their clothing choices really really just tell you they're good signifiers for what the character is about yeah and this this comes from the fact that this is all done in the classic kirby comic book aesthetic not like Mm -hmm. kirby 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 come on but like jack kirby the illustrator yeah um this is the best choice i think for a few reasons one is that it like matches the established media so like you can have those easy crossovers yeah um, also, they are human and humanoid, and they look like real people because you want your audience to connect with them. But also, the human purport- proportions show off how weird some of the Bang Baby's mutations are. Yeah, they're horrifying. Yeah, they're like, oh, man, that guy is, like, 12 feet tall and made out of magma, and that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to find work at Burgle Fool, <laughs> my dude, unless you're, like, the deep fat fryer or something. Oh, or the grease trap. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that would have been good. That that would have been a good like static shock type of hero of villain name. Hey, hot streak! It's grease trap now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It works like a charm, really. <laughs> yeah, I. It makes me wonder of like you know this is a problem in X Men as well where like there are well it's not really a problem but like it actually this is kind of cool. Think about this for a second. It goes back into like the racial element of it that there are some people within this community who can fit in. Right. And there are some who simply can't. Mm-hmm. Like, they're either too dark-skinned or they don't have, like, the right background to be able to, you know, um, incorporate themselves. You're talking about Ebon being made of living shadow? <laughs> like, being made of living shadow. That was a little on the nose, but yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that's, like, kind of a cool way to show, like, they're, they're both parts of this disadvantaged community. Some of them can pretend like they're not passing you're talking about passing i mean exactly the 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 social phenomenon of trying to pass Mm -hmm. which like i can imagine if you were hawk lady and being like that's bullshit i (laughs) don't have a chance to like try to blend in i am just have to be stigmatized like that's uh, why a lot of the more physiological 
mutations end up in Ebon's metabreed. That's true. That's true. He even starts like an offshoot where they're all people whose powers like make them sensitive to light and they have to literally live underground. And and because, you know, static is going to be really effective against them. Yeah, yeah. Super effective. The lightning gets grounded. Something, something. (laughs) Something about static electricity. Oh, I'm sure. You remember those WB bumpers going into and out of shows? I'm sure there was a crossover between Pokemon and Static Shock, like Pikachu Shock and him or something. I'm almost certain that I've seen that before. I'll look for it in the show notes. That That's another thing that we should mention is that like, uh, like the creators don't really have a great grasp on what static electricity is or what it can do. It's, uh, it's anything dealing with lightning or magnets or technology yeah that's it's really it or like lasers <laughs> yeah it's like fucking crazy like he just has omni lightning he can do whatever lightning he can do whatever electricity allows he's for. so powerful you you could split his powers into a team you could yeah i mean like it's no like that's why i was saying it's like it's like almost intelligent design that's this dude's got one, half a dozen talismans working on him the one guy in the big bang phenomenon that happened to be a good guy just has super like is just god yeah imagine if it was kang or like i got big feet or we're gonna take these guys down a ferret super smell and climb on walls yeah i look horrible i love the design like again with a great design he's just like a guy in street clothes and then has a big old snoot and that's it (laughs) um i wanted to mention because pokemon reminded me this Mm. show was extremely popular like it and pokemon were like the biggest things not only on the wb but like in their time slots yeah tell me about it um so like people loved static shock but the show was eventually canceled and it wasn't because the show was like dipping in the ratings it was because there wasn't a lot of merchandise being made that's right not that it wasn't being sold it's that nobody was making it that's right and that's that is an interesting artifact on kind of the priorities for cartoon creators Mm -hmm. because it must have been successful enough to be able to like sell well enough to justify keeping it on the air yeah for sure and it comes out of comic books so you got people who care about storytelling and lore and it's a medium where the stories drive the sales there was tons of crossover opportunities that they exploited in order to like get people involved like interested in justice league or whatever do you think it was a um discrimination thing they were like no one's gonna buy toys of a black superhero the same way that like new star wars tours star wars toys come out and ray is not in them why (laughs) yeah i i don't know um that that seems probable like it seems like that was probably a a part of it it doesn't seem unlikely i'll say yeah, I, w- I would believe it. I think the thing that ma- that seem that makes more sense to me is that like marketing executives, like they're different industries. The mm-hmm. toy making industry is not equivalent with the cartoon industry. So I imagine that like something on like a high up level was like oh, these this is not pushing toys. We don't want this show up on anymore because it's not good for us. And like it's it feels like a executive decision that was misguided. Mm-hmm. For sure, but but I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that it was also par- partially like racially motivated. I, I think those two things can coexist. Yeah, they're not at odds with each other at all. One thing I wanted to mention is after the first season, I think things got a bit smoother. Um, the combat, it it was never like particularly clever, but it was better done. It's better. Yeah. It never really rises to a level where I'm like interested in it. Like. I actually got to the point where I was only interested in, like, the first half of episodes. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I kind of skipped through all of the uh, 
cat and mouse routine between him and the meta breed and whatnot. I was only here for the soap opera. I actually kind of agree. <laughs> One thing that is really cool in the animation is the uh, they don't do it all the time. They do it often enough that it is a consistent thing. Is that uh, uh, Virgil when he transforms, he's got a transformation. Se- he's got a henshin mm-hmm. uh, sequence, like a Sailor Moon, Sailor Scout kind of thing. <laughs> Where he starts like glowing neon rainbow colors and like you know oh. trash can lid flies in from off screen and he poses the to the moon, camera. I'll shock your system. Yeah, more or less. But like that's not actually what happens. What happens is like he like turns away from the camera. A bunch of lightning comes out of him. He ch- changes into his costume and then he looks back at the camera with like lightning in his eyes. And the, and his late motif plays, which is just such an empowering sound. It's a good one, yeah. And, and he's also got, like, that lightning symbol on his chest that, like, sparks up. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a lot of little flourishes. He that just makes looks ready. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, it's it's not just that he's changing his clothes. is that they are selling it. Sure. And the little flourishes that they do with his eyes sparking and, like, the insignia on his chest sparking really help deliver the feeling of, oh, this is, pr- this is a cool moment, guys. Yeah. Um, one other really good success here is... Um, like in uh, in Jackie Chan Adventures, it felt like we were in San Francisco. It wasn't like Teen Titans. Oh, I'm in a city, just like any city, nondescript city. You know, here this feels like a hollowed out Midwest industry town. Like walls yeah. are just like missing chunks. There's abandoned buildings all over the place. There's trash. Yep. There's graffiti. It it feels lived in. It feels. It true. does. Yeah. It it definitely does. And like it doesn't do that thing where like you're you're only kind of showing the things that get used in combat. Like, dumpsters are available and they just don't get used. There are mm-hmm. cars there that, like, look junky and then just don't get used. You know? Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think at this point, though, we should definitely transition into what I think is probably the most... Well, one, one of the most... One of the ha- hallmarks of this show, which is the music. Yeah, yeah. Because, so, like, the sound is pretty standard as far as things go. <laughs> like, they get a lot of mileage out of Zorch.wav or whatever that sound effect is. <laughs> the that crunchy zarp. stuff. Yeah, like, any, like, just electricity sound effect folder For sure. that someone put together. Or, like, but, computer beeping noises. Mm-hmm. But, but the music is really well considered, I thought. Yeah, and it, it's, like, it's one thing to take rap and hip-hop samples and, and snippets and put them in. A lot of these are bespoke. A lot of these were made for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Metabreed gang, right? They have a like, this is how we roll theme that comes Yeah, in. yeah. Uh, I like that one. And plays for a bit whenever they're there. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I like Kangor's late motif, obviously. <laughs> uh, there, There's some soul music as well. Sure. Uh, there was actually one episode where he Where goes he meets in, soul power? Where he meets soul power <laughs> with that awesome little dance, and his dad is like a huge fanboy. It's <laughs> so cute. And after he defeat a villain... Do his funky soul power dance. 
<laughs> and like that entire episode is just like a shout out to black exploitation being kind of cool in its own. Yeah, right. yeah, Luke Cage era stuff. Yes, 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 yes. But uh, there's also kind of like just soulful moaning permeates a lot of the scene transitions. Yeah, you'll you'll enter into a new scene and some woman with like a really high voice will be like, "Whoa, whoa!" Some great gig in the sky kind of stuff that is mm-hmm. really cool. Just I, I, I every part of like uh, most parts of this show just help establish the black identity that it is very clearly proud of. I mentioned the um, static like transformation music like motif, the like boom, 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 the sort of thing that they borrow from the intro. It's it's just very uh, yeah. like classic superhero pump up music without going to like the sort of uh, more generic like boom, 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 boom. Like this is not Superman's music. Well, that's the problem that I sometimes have with the crossover episodes is that it becomes Superman and Batman themes. Yes. And those, kind of, like I said earlier, it sort of wreck the identity. Yeah, this idea that like, oh, he can play with the big leagues, but only by giving up part of himself. A little bit. Like there's some unconscious like modifiers to that statement. I just think that it doesn't articulate as, he doesn't articulate as a character as well when he's not just in his own environment, with his own music, doing his own thing. They don't naturally mesh, and they might not have given the attention to make it mesh when they were more trying to... Like, the more heroes and villains you put into an episode, the more complicated the plot, the more effort you have to spend there. Wouldn't it be amazing if they did, like, a Steven Universe-style fusion of the two... Because, <laughs> mu- like, every time that the gems fuse on that, you get, like, musical leitmotifs that is a combination of their own leitmotifs. Steven Universe is just an example of how you can spend way too much effort on everything. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine what Static Shock and Batman's theme that is mixed together would be like? Uh, like I think it sounds a little something like this. (laughs) Like classical E&M or something. Well, no, it'd be like the uh, theme to Batman Beyond. (laughs) Oh, yeah, a little bit. Racism. With letters flashing. Crunchy guitars, yeah. Um, speaking of the intro, the classic Gonna Be Be, um, I don't yeah. know what that song is named, but it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up. I'm going to go check it out now because they deserve to get a shout out on our podcast because it's fucking yeah, incredible. Yeah, the theme here. Huh. I can't find it. I'm sorry. Damn. All right, well, in any case, yeah, I don't know what the initial theme is called, but it is amazing. It is, it's like, like half of why I wanted to revisit this show. <laughs> it's just such a, you know, it's just such a jam. I, I, like, I'm not a music guy. I can't really describe what makes it cool. Can you, can you help me out here? Oh, goodness. So for one, we have that really empowering theme. Um... And it's surrounded by the, like, a, 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 there's like a cool medley feeling of, of to yeah, it, where it, like it starts kind of fanfare, like almost like trumpet fanfare stuff, to go along with the sort of hip hop lyrics. It is a mixture of like classic superhero theming, uh, plus like rap group hype man energy. Yes, where they're not actually getting to a bridge, they're just like shouting again up. and again oh man this is gonna be yeah put your hands in the air just don't care and even a little bit of that james brown just like listen the words don't matter i'm gonna shout the same line 10 times getting louder each time you're gonna love it <laughs> yeah it's really good and it goes through like kind of a medley of different little 
um, little style changes mm-hmm. where like uh, it goes it does that like I don't even know how to describe it that like a record scratching kind of thing with Kangor the whole thing feels remixed like it, it comes out of that like DJ aesthetic of of uh, mixing uh, uh, records on the fly yeah, or like a director being like, okay, now you guys, now the, you know, <laughs> shitty rock music for Hot Streaks intro, like, and they go through like... Oh, yeah, where they add in new changes. instruments as new villains appear on the screen? Yes. Fantastic. Kangor, Kangor gets like the kind of record scratching thing. Hot Streak gets like the dumb ra- the dumb rock music. There's like a little bit of operatics in um in uh, in in the, the whatever the wind villainess's uh, name Puff. was. Puff. Oh, these names. Um, and then, and then Ebon shows up and it kind of does like that, like stinger, like, dow, dow. and it ends super triumphant. Yeah. Ah. It, it's, it's more of a feeling than a, you know, and then in the third measure, they transfer into the B flat key. It's just, it's, it's fucking seamless. And it works awesome with the animation of like, this is a just fucking sizzle reel of a bunch of villains. Guys, we are throwing everything in here. This are is you what you're going to be dealing it? with. Yeah, like, do you want any of these villains to fight our good boy Static? It, it, it feels like a block party, to be honest. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, everybody's everybody's coming to this party. They all came out of the fucking gutter <laughs> to, to, to jump Static on his way to school. <laughs> He's just got a deal. He's just got to throw down. Have you ever been to a block party? I, I've I've been around them. Like, they happen frequently enough at uh, Philadelphia. In yeah. Philadelphia, like, neighborhoods that, like... They just, you know, they block off the off the street of traffic and mm-hmm. just, like, you know, have barbecue or whatever. The energy, like, if you're not, like, if you're not uh, among the people invited and it's not, like, open to everyone, you feel like you're missing out. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd feel like you didn't get invited. There's some FOMO going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that intro is incredible. Yeah. And I love it forever. And thankfully, they used it for every single season. Now, Ben... And next. <laughs> so in the third and fourth season, uh, they it's... said, we we struck gold once. What if we panned for silver? <laughs> <laughs> what if we panned for silver in a toilet? What if that's where we panned for silver? Wait, it's, that's not silver. It's oh. not as bad as it could be. It's No, it's worse than it could ever be. It's worse than it can be. <laughs> Every time I listen to it, it is worse than I remember it. When you got a zip, then you get zapped, is what I have to say. Or whatever so, he's saying. No, no, no. Okay, so let, let's let's explain what this is. In the third season going onward, they used Little Romeo's mix of what, whatever. <laughs> they, they used an intro made by Little Romeo, which should be about as relevant to you as the Backstreet Boys at this point. Oh, less so. The Backstreet Boys' whole catalog remains good. But, like... It, it sort of showcases the, you know, element of this show that, like, we've got friends in high places. They really want a piece of static. So we're going to invite our uh, basketball team. We're going to invite Shaquille O'Neal on. We're going to invite Little Romeo. He had his own episode. Yeah, they... I don't know what it was like in the early 2000s where movies, TV shows, everything... If you have a celebrity cameo, that's the whole thing. They don't that's need the to episode. do anything. Yeah, that's it's They're fucking just fascinating. Yeah, it, it feels like they paid them off, honestly. Yeah, like I remember a movie. I think it was like Max Keebler's Big Move or something. 
I saw it on a bus or something. What are you talking about? No, no, stay with me. Where the kid has to move, and so he pulls a big heist or something. Oh, yeah, child heist. I, I know um, those. But at the beginning of the movie, there's, like, a, a classroom roll call scene, and somebody, and, like, the teacher is like, and, uh, you know, this person? And he's like, please, call me Lil Bow Wow. And that's it. We never see him again. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's it's weird. They just, like, that is the entirety of, of, the, of the media. It, like, I can understand it from, like, a... We are borrowing things from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air era of, you know, kind of black representation sort of medium. It's a poser move. You want to be cool, <laughs> so you're taking on the aesthetic of the cool people, but you don't get it. Yeah, it's it's just very confusing to me. Um, I so anyway, he got invited out of the show. He did the intro for seasons three going onward, and. It, it's trash. <laughs> it is so bad. It's so hard to listen to. Like, I mean, like, people like it, and I can't figure out why. The, the part to me that makes it awful uh, is when he says superhero static shock. Whoop, and, whoop. and his voice is like overlaid like a... It's a bad auto-tune. Like the most dissonant possible uh, tone above it. it it's, it's bad auto-tune and they literally say whoop whoop. Yeah, he's whooping himself up. You know how... This is some real Cousin Skeeter kind of energy. You know how you gotta energy. whoop yourself up? Because that was the thing. In the first couple seasons, the theme was all like, everybody get pumped. I'm acting as the hype man for this cool guy. Yeah. Third and fourth seasons, hey, everyone, check out how cool I am Little by Romeo. singing the song in for this show. It's It completely ruins that aesthetic. I, I think musically it's not as terrible, but the fact that we had something so good... I disagree. I think it's also pretty musically terrible. Let's take a look at a couple a couple of the lyrics. Now, something something back at school. Nobody know what I do. Okay. <laughs> Nobody know what I do. Okay. Yeah, like literally, like just like the lead out with the okay, the okay. whoop whoop. It's just like a bunch of dumb bad rap signifiers just arranged haphazardly on an excellent intro. Yeah, it's like <laughs> one of those. End, it's like one of the end of film Will Smith raps yeah yeah and like <laughs> nobody likes will smith as a rapper <laughs> i i really i'm a fan of the millennium <laughs> the millennium is like, wild just, wild west uh maybe, men in black <laughs> yeah all fantastic don't just just don't understand like i don't think anybody in this era can look back at that era of rapper and be like kind of unironically appreciative of getting it. jiggy with it I don't know. Maybe I'm the odd one out, actually. Like, you know, I don't understand music tastes in general. Has this, does this hold up well for some people? No, you're definitely right. I don't. The little Romeo thing? I think. Like, he was there for all the five minutes. It was like Coolio. Yeah, there's, you know, like any musical tradition, there are a lot of, like, uh, uh, movements and then counter movements trying to guess, like go against yeah. the grain of what has been successful and this was just part of the cycle where everything was kind of getting just 
it, it was all surface level. There just wasn't a lot of progress going on at the forefront. I guess if I like reframe it as experimental, then it like is is better. But like the amount of proud of himself that little Romeo is doing in this intro makes it's, me feel like he really It's just it's he thought he nailed it. It's corporate suits found a kid who was not terrible and they turn him into a star and that just reeks of everything that the show's not about. Yeah, it's it's yeah, that's the other thing. It's kind of tonally at odds with the show's message of like they have episodes where a rapper is trying to make it big. That's you know, that's Oh you're talking about rubber of- band man? I'm talking about Rubber Band Man, and that's that also kind of goes to the idea behind Rubber Band Man's character, where like these are the two avenues open to you in order to become successful. You better be a rapper, play basketball, or join a gang. Man, I love the dyslexia episode with Rubber Band Man, where like he messes something up because he was having trouble reading, and then the next scene we immediately see him like virtuosically just playing the piano we're like oh it doesn't mean you're done got it got, got yes. it yeah like that's a really good clear indicator of, <laughs> thank you tv yeah th- thanks for not dumbing it down too hard but like that that idea of like you know if you have talent at this thing you can make it out of your surroundings you can make it out of the the place that society has put you in but those opportunities are really far and few between to have that kind of I don't know. Little Romeo isn't really the uh, the, isn't really the front man for that. Let's look up some Little Romeo facts. Yeah, let's 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 talk about Little Romeo. I guess he signed up for this. Oh man, his Wikipedia photo looks real bad. Let me. I'm gonna. I want to check it out. I want to be here. He's got one of the baggy jerseys, but he's not the one holding the basketball. It's not great. All right, Little Romeo, where he is. Man, man, it just, man. Oh, he be, he gained fame as a rapper after signing with the r- record label that was owned by his dad. Yeah, you you really did it on your own, kid. Yeah, this <laughs> really is some coming real from the bottom Smith here. Kind of stuff. I, I yeah, I'm not. Uh, I mean, like I, I I hesitate to reflexively call nepotism. It's probably because I'm so. I'm so tender to no, little no, no. Romeo Early, and what he has does he what he he did to the uh Early life. Original. He is the son of rapper and entrepreneur Master P and former rapper Sonya C. He's the nephew of rappers C Murder and Slick the Shocker, Silk the Shocker, cousin of producer, singer, and rapper Moby Dick, brother and singer of actress Symphonic Miller. Yeah, so it's like a whole <laughs> this 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 is hip hop uh, artist clan. You know, if if Mozart's father, you know, something went wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to throw too much shade. Maybe it was just, like, a a product of the time, and it just doesn't hold up well. Yeah, I'm, I'm being too mean. I'm just I'm just a little annoyed because the intro to Static Shock for the first two seasons is so fucking good. All right, how about this? <sighs> All of this venting is just because of that intro. We're not allowed to be baselessly mean to Lil Romeo anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> Starting now. Starting now. No, like, yeah, it's just, it just sounds really terrible to me. And I'm not a guy who likes hip-hop, but, like, I like the soundtrack for the rest of the show. So, like, you know, it, it's not merely because it's hip-hop. It's also because I think it just sounds really bad. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's actually all I have to say about Static Shock. Like, it was really nice to kind of revisit. And I'm I'm definitely picking up more of it than I used to on the social kind of angles 
Um, but I don't, I don't think that there's much more to it. Like, I, I think that once you strip away that, uh, once you isolate the, and, and like, that is the entirety of the show is this kind of social angle. But once you isolate that, it is just kids WD, kids WB superhero show. Yeah. We've done enough superhero shows where we don't need to explain the way that an episode will work where, you know, his personal life and his, you know, uh, uh, private life as a superhero they intersect in these ways like yeah we've done that before and it's so ingrained now but the context and the polish on this thing is really uh it is really what sets this apart right and we shouldn't we shouldn't also neglect that the uh that the voice casting does a lot especially for the virgil Richie relationship and the Virgil dad relationship. Yeah, I know you weren't as big a fan of the quips, but I thought the dialogue on the whole was like really good and snappy. I just it it, it like it, like Virgil's such a little shit heel some like shit heel younger <laughs> brother sometimes. Well, he said like uh, what I lack in maturity, I make up for in immaturity. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's just cute. I don't know. Like he's just a like I don't. I've never really been a fan of that shitty boy Spider Man Ultimate Spider Man <laughs> kind of kind of kind of dialogue it's just it doesn't read to me mm-hmm. i don't think that it's a poor characterization move i just can't help but be like god this kid sucks i never <laughs> want to hang out with him <laughs> but you want to hang out with static right static's really cool i, I want to he's a menace i gotta he's get pictures of him. <laughs> i would have loved uh, if if uh the dad and static kind of had more in-depth conversations on like the nature of how to help a community yeah, because his dad doesn't find out about him being static until really late in the series, and it's so it's so ham like it's, it's so fisted at that yeah. point. Um, but like his dad thinks that like you you don't go around being a vigilante to solve things. You go around like doing helping what the I community. Do. Yeah, being a public utility. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, so, but dad, the supervillains like that. Yeah, but supervillains. That though. lady <laughs> just melted like a telephone pole. I'm, How are you going to deal with Kangor? <laughs> well, I'm gonna you know find out what. Sit, what situation drove him to this life of crime in the first place? He's stomping on a car. It's not his car. That's not okay. You know, the insurance will take care of that. But what we really have to focus on is his inner demons. Yeah, it's... I mean, like, I, I really love the dad character. I think he's generally right. Like, yeah. in a world without superheroics, vigilantism probably shouldn't be doing... Shouldn't be happening. But, uh, you know, extenuating circumstances, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go watch uh, it. Go watch Static Shock. <laughs> it's yeah, it's still extremely good. Like I, I, you know, I, I, I think that the best, the times that the show is best is when it is small and personal and dealing with the social dynamics of, you know, the underadvantaged black uh, population in a city. Mm-hmm. I think that is when it is best, and, and the rest it's... of it is fine. WB superhero show. Yeah, and I, I think that as an interpretation of the Spider-Man mythos, it's, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, I think I prefer him to Spider-Man in a, a bunch of different ways, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are a few Spider-Men who, who do great. But, like, if if we had watched Into the Spider-Verse and Static was just, like, also one of the superheroes who was there, like, I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, it's a, it's a little re- derivative at that point. Like, it's a little <laughs> repetitive then. Yeah, well, we'll put him I, in a cameo. I can't imagine Miles. <laughs> have, him, have him, like, list all the Spider-Men who are around. And he's like, Static, please call me Virgil. I'm just, I'm a standby yeah. here. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just here to watch. I'm just here to take notes. <laughs> It'd be so weird to see them both in the same continuity cuz they just have the same powers and similar stories. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny. Yep. 
All right. Okay. Well, that was Static Shock. Thanks for joining us for one of uh, one of my favorite cartoons in the Kids WB block growing up. Um, I think that it does well as our 150th episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. For sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zane, what are we doing next time? Hey, everyone. Quick note. Uh, this is Future Ben, and uh, I have found out that due to various apocalypse-fueled scheduling conflicts, we will not be able to do the... Uh, Doctor Who, uh, Revenge of the Daleks to the Sith, Warlord, uh, Empire, Episode 4. Next episode, uh, instead, we will skip an episode. Um, so sorry if you were looking forward to that one. We will get to it eventually. And thank you for being patient with us. Uh, but what about after that? After that, Zane, uh, it is time for another anime. Great. And we have dealt with, you know, battle anime before with this or the North Star. Something we haven't dealt with yet is card battler anime. Mm-hmm. Which is a you know it's 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 a rather newer form of uh, of anime that has has become very popular in recent uh, in recent years, and we should I want us to go back to where it all started for North America, which is Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, the original season one, dualist fucking island, Pegasus Maximilian Pegasus himself, Joey Wheeler. We're talking about Yu Gi Oh. I, what can we say about it that the abridged series hasn't already? I'm gonna have to check out the. I haven't seen the abridged series. But yeah. I'm, I'm, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> ben, I think you're gonna find that this show hasn't. I'm. I'm gonna. Is it wrong if I try to find like a fan cut that just gets rid of all the chaff, or is the chaff the point? I mean, like, I, I think the chaff is definitely a part of it that do, I, I that we can't really ignore do you want to try finding uh, an online game of duel master so that we can try that again sure <laughs> let's give it a shot <laughs> give it a shot all right but yeah that that's what we're doing next so if you have anything to say about either redacted or Yu-Gi-Oh, it will be time to duel it will be time to duel so you've got time to write in if you want to go to our facebook page or go to our website cartoncast.com or fancybat.com and check out our other shows on the network such as amusement sparks with our friend andrew spawn who does shows about amusement parks if they existed how they would exist and uh just has a real fun time i would love a vr amusement park of dakota city where you're there at the like at the beginning of the day the the bang baby gas it emerges and you get to pick a power from a drop down that would be kind of neat I, I i think we are probably some some years out from the technology but we'll see if uh if mr spawn himself can can set something up um if you like the show you can go and re- give us a rating or review on apple Podcasts. it really helps us out and we like seeing that people think good things about us um and if you want to drop <laughs> us that's just very upfront. <laughs> I mean, like, that, those are the state. Hey, man, <laughs> we're not professional podcasters, really. Like, it's, uh, it's you know, amateurish. I, just, so, I just like, love it. Hey, man, <laughs> I, I've got a tender ego. Someone's got to bolster it. What are you doing? Nothing. That's what I thought. Nothing. That's what I thought. Um, and if you want to go ahead and drop us a line, you can go to our contact page at fancybat.com slash contact and tell us what you think about the show and if you have any suggestions for future shows. And more than anything else, please tell your friends about the show. Yeah. Um, how about Little Romeo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really hard to get off of Little Romeo once we've started. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't join a gang. <laughs> yeah, drugs are bad. <laughs> drugs are bad, kids. <laughs> <laughs>